And welcome to episode 356 of the Saturn Studs Podcast. I'm the returning Kurt, joined once again this week by my ever-dependable co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right. We're we're here every week. Um, and I'm here with the with the feature of this week, the one the you know, what this episode is based on. I'm here with the ghost of DJ Khalid Khaled. Khalid? DJ DJ Khaled. That's the one. You know, here here he is with his with his sneaker pillows and his and his comfy chair. Um, rest rest in peace, uh, DJ Caleb. And then wake up eight hours later after having rested very well in peace. Peter, you know, did you take that chair from a, a an AU dorm? I don't honestly remember. It it, it has a certain Alfredian quality to it. Yeah, it's. If, it's been with me for for a while. It has a stain. Actually, like I remember, maybe maybe I remember, six six or so years ago. I remember you know, where I got graduated it from. college. I actually so in furnishing my apartment. Um, I only went to the finest thrift stores, and so I got this, and I got my nice um, Japanese print lamp with bamboo on it. Is it cohesive? Does my apartment have a cohesive theme? No, never. Doesn't need it. It only needs it when you bring up when you when you introduce a female into your living quarters, like and they're actually staying there. Like they get a say. Oh, yeah, yeah it's the worst. <laughs> like, I so uh, I'll give you a story. Last night, uh, Kristen comes home, maternity clothes shopping. Their mother's there. Yada yada yada. Um, I, she's like, what's that underneath the coffee table? I'm like, oh, that's the Mandalorian books. That's why, it's, if your case were one. And then I, I pull them out. I'm like, actually, these belong on the on top of the coffee table. And she had just decorated for March, St. Patrick's Day. So, so I'm like, oh, look, this is green. It can stay out. <laughs> so I take these giant Mandalorian books <laughs> and just place them in the most inconvenient spots on the coffee table for all to show. And I'm like, oh, and now we're, we have to get season three now because season three is out tonight. <laughs> it starts tonight. It started yesterday, actually. Yeah, yeah. I so see. that was that was a, uh, and she didn't seem to like it. But you know what? They haven't moved. Why? Because this is you can't pick them up. My you can wear them down. You can you can wear yeah. them down. I don't know about I don't know about yours, but mine. <laughs> it's very easy to to outlast her in a war of attrition. Sometimes you just have to sneak things past them or be real adamant about things. Like there's still a uh, there's still a Bill's helmet above our guest room bathroom that I put there just because we had a nail there. <laughs> from the previous owners and that was the only thing that fit and she's like yeah okay that works but she never replaced it it's been up there for two years <laughs> it was like one of the first things we hung up in this house <laughs> and it hasn't changed you gotta oh jake you gotta take it down for april just for april fool's day and see if she gets like oh gets like that's... weird feelings like there's something wrong with the house i should do that with like i should do that with all the pictures Yes. She just like yes. swap like 
Like Danny DeVito's face in for in for yes, our faces. Gaslight your pregnant wife. <laughs> <laughs> give him the give him the old pictogram shuffle. <laughs> My knowing my luck, we'll be too lazy to take him down, and we'll just keep him up there, <laughs> like the alive ahaha uh, fuck uh, yeah. cross stitch that we have in our kitchen that <laughs> always is asked about whenever we have adults over. <laughs> like, is that does that say what I think it says, Jacob? I mean, it sure looks like a donut. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. The only kids that we have coming over here can't read, so. <laughs> Let alone cursive. <laughs> oh, that's right. See now, that's the advantage we have over the the Zoomers. Mm-hmm. Zoomers can't write cursive. Yeah. yeah. Can you we really can... write cursive? They made me write cursive for the SAT. I know. Me too. They had to put it up on the board because no one remembered how to write anything in cursive. <laughs> I'm surprised they. Wow. I'm surprised they put it up on the board. I was gonna say that's such a dumb fucking rule. Write this. It was like a paragraph, a small paragraph. Yeah, it was a sworn yeah. statement that you didn't cheat on the test cursive? that you had to write out in cursive. Oh, that's <laughs> such a chuggy thing to do. That's such a boomer mentality. Tell me you grew up during the depression without telling me you grew up during the depression. Please, yeah. Please use the shorthand flowy notation. Yeah. To write this uh, serious statement. Fucking crazy. Anyways. We're coming at you live, as always, from gate A52 at your local airport inserted here um, at, you know, the... Gate A1 stake. The best airline out there. Transamerica. Yeah. So... (laughs) This isn't a paid partnership. Were you doing a bit? (laughs) I I couldn't. He was trying to three stooges every airline at the same time. I couldn't. I couldn't pick one. I I just like. I like them all too much, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, I like them all (laughs) too much. So uh, I've had too great an experience on so many of them. (laughs) Yeah, we just we walk it. It's great customer service. They say, you know. Where are you flying to? They make some jokes, and uh, we hopefully don't die getting there, you know? See, what you don't know is, like, you can actually have a really great experience flying. Um, all it takes is you need you need a sound bite of Ronald Reagan to, like, spring on the air controllers if they start giving you flack. It'll, they'll have, a they'll have like, a, a instinctual reaction to being, to all being fired. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's what the that's what Remember? that um the banning sign in the Ronald Reagan faces. They said no <laughs> no Reagans are no Reagans allowed in here. Get him out of here. You ever want to spook a flight attendant? Just say. Trickle down economics. I believe it was the <laughs> yeah, air traffic controllers. Reagan just undermined the entire concept, like all the strength of unions. Like, yeah, remember, remember when Biden, Biden did, did that, that two weeks yeah. ago? Fuck! And then we had a derailment. <laughs> it's an American, ah! We had a bunch. Of... <laughs> it's a proud American tradition: yes. undermining unions when it's inconvenient for you. He's the most union pro. He's the most. He is the most pro union fucking old man out there. He just loves them so much. He says, "I just want you to go back to work." <laughs> 
go get paid. I gotta, I gotta go get back to playing Pokemon. None of your demands will be satisfied. <laughs> See ya Monday. Yo, remember when unions said like collective bargaining and like they were good for workers? Me too. Turns out not if you're rail workers. So the point, the the thing is, you have to be in a union that's important enough to exist, but not so important that it threatens the nation's function See, were you to stop. Uh, and this is where I bring up the unions at Northrop, which I was a part of, one of them, SEA, all the way, um, which I think uh, I've Peter heard- Peter and I are S- management. Don't bring that union shit in our house. <laughs> I, I, I love unions. Unions help out um, also professionals as well. They fight for shit, um, and then- it usually it was ends a up company policy. <laughs> hey, I know you guys hate unions. You're like, oh, just get up there on the ladder and change the light bulb, just monkey. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. What is, who says it's not your job? Whatever. Our company meetings are actually just the Hunger Games. <laughs> like, that's the employee evaluation. Well, you, you see, take- <laughs> the, the, the easy way around job description, not being in your job description, is just, it's how they got me. You put this little bull at the end. Other duties as required. (laughs) Yeah, other duties. (laughs) It's a dynamic environment. See, I I like the part of unions where they where the the worker with the lowest performance is then um, released into a field, and then management just takes pop shots with uh, (laughs) their rifles at them. (laughs) They get to the end, they're they're fired. I have a cannon. Yeah, and that hasn't happened yet. No workers have been fired yet. <laughs> when they say continuous improvement, they just refer to survival of the fittest. Yes, yeah, that's that's a that's one of the. It's S's. corporate Darwinism. <laughs> that's the that's the small C in the five S's. <laughs> it's actually ten C's, just backwards. <laughs> Little, little, little known fact. <laughs> no, we got it wrong. It was actually ten C's, not five S. Um, <laughs> well, what was I saying about you? You were saying that the six S and five S, because it comes from Japan. The six S stands for seppuku, <laughs> seppuku. <laughs> for dishonoring the name of the company. <laughs> so, Northrop Northrop Union started to strike. Um, uh, like a year ago, about now, probably. Yeah, and um, they caved. Northrop caved, and the union caved. They both kind of caved collectively. That's what they mean by collective bargaining. Um, they both caved collectively instantly you when mean they, they negotiated to a, the agreeable settlement. Yeah, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't all that great. I think they got like one thing that they wanted out of like five or something. But um, uh, so they they end up not striking because. I heard some statistic that like every hour or something like that that like Northrop strikes they lose like multiple millions of dollars. Yeah, I was going to say even like aside from the financials, yeah. I feel like having like a company like them going on strike seems like a lot more uh of a problem to corporate because, you know, their picket lines have uh, ablative armor and uh long bore cannons. <laughs> Yeah, they roll up and you know their their uh, their uh, pro you know their protest wagons have tank treads. Well, and, and corporates uh, like we need our workers, like we we need them like crazy. 
Like they they know more shit than some of the engineers do, and uh, they're not wrong. But that's because they've worked there for fifty years. The only it's true. The only people getting those like fifty, sixty year like like uh, prizes that they them they gold them golden watches, baby. They fish on yeah, are the yeah the union workers. They're there before Northrop existed. Westinghouse, <laughs> bitch. They're all out there holding up Westinghouse, bitch. <laughs> it's like a gang sign. Anyways, that was the Union Studs. Um, <laughs> what the fuck were we even talking about? I don't know. You said Biden and I fucking blacked out. Oh, yeah. Peter was making a joke about how Reagan threatened the air traffic controllers, not the flight attendants. Yeah, they're all combined. And, he made, and them, made them jump out a window. Um, and then there was, a, there was a guy there who was just in every scene. Making a ham out of every scene. Love well, that guy. I that guy has gotta, some great lines in the sequel too. Oh fuck! Let me figure out. I gotta remember what his name because I I tried paying attention to specifically who he was, um, but I obviously forgot. Um, we are of course talking about uh, the hit, <laughs> the modern hit airplane. Um, let's see who we got for by the Zuckers. It was. Come on, where's the cast? Show me the cast. There's so many people. Yeah, James- Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I knew it was James Hong in this. I just yes, three names. Um, where? Who is the guy? Fuck. Otto, the inflatable no, man. The- <laughs> no, the no. The really, the really flashy guy who was like, he would just like chime in with the most ridiculous. Oh, I um, just, I just moused over his thing. Ugh. Jonathan Banks. Yes, I think. No, 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 no. Um, he, wait, who was who he in that? Yeah, um, I don't. Like, I just fucking had my mouse over his what guy. Flashy guy. I don't. Flamboyant. Fuck. Yeah. Gay? Gay? I mean, we don't know. I've never... I He did not indicate who we liked having sex with, so... Who's the gay one in Airplane? Sorry. Airplane! I just... This my mouse was just over it. I'm hoping IMDb Pictures will have it. Oh, look at them. They're all old. Why does he uh, have goggles on? Steven Stucker. Steven Stucker. Who plays uh, air traffic controller Johnny Henshaw Jacobs? <laughs> I'm sure. Like, even though they never say his, like, they maybe say his first name once, um, he definitely made that up. Him, like, he's like, I want my, <laughs> I want my character to have a a nickname, middle name, and I'm going to just crack non sequiturs for, so for I'm the second through the half pictures. of the movie. I'm scrolling through the pictures on um, on IMDb, and Jim Abrams uh, did a thing not too long ago at an event. And uh, boy, he's got them big old goggle glasses that you put on like four year olds who just got their first pair of glasses, so they don't break. <laughs> yep. Amazing. It's, he's really cool. I want those though. <laughs> well, if you have those glasses. You know what you'd be able to do, Jake? You could use your eyes to watch some trays. 
on this Trey Watch, the segment where we watch trailers. I could also play racquetball. Is clapping necessary? <laughs> no. Is uh. I will not wear short pants. Was <laughs> <laughs> that clapping? Your casual gunshots popping off in the background. There was there was a cop sure, it is, it out, is outside my window yesterday <laughs> last night. Not not viewed from the window like he was like hanging like a Dracula. You know, <laughs> you just don't invite upside down. You don't invite him in. You know, they don't have a warrant. They yeah. they have to stop at your doorstep. The rules for cops are a lot like vampires, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, we started we started nailing garlic to our front door so they would stay away. Too many cops started coming up to us. Not this time. See all those. There's movies, a river in front of you. All those movies where the cops like jump over the drawbridge. It's actually to like, it's it's lies. It's to propaganda because cops can't cross moving bodies of water. It's true. They have to bury themselves in dirt, in crates, and then take a ship over. Yes. Because that rule really super mattered in that book because he got from Transylvania to England anyway. <laughs> powerful. Um, much like the most powerful lich of our time, Ray Romano in uh, Somewhere in Queens. Somewhere in Queens lies Ray Romano who woke up and said, ah, I think we'll try directing. <laughs> I'm going to make a movie. Mortgage. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's Ray Romano. He has a life in Queens. He works construction. My kids go to basketball. My family, they're so Italian. Ah! <laughs> they're so they're like family guy cutaway levels of Italian. <laughs> like it's it's almost yeah, it's like a bad family guy joke. Um but that's that's what happens. Um and the son, he could have could have been someone. He could be, he could be a contender. Could, yeah, and his girl looks up then, and he gets really sad. Yeah, and and that's the movie. I don't. It kind of looks really sad. Feel it's trying to be very serious. Yeah, uh, it's like one of those like, um, yeah, one of those like coming of age stories. You know. Yeah, it's a it's a bold choice for someone who's never directed a movie before to try to tell this kind of story but Mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe it's something he's had in his head for a while and it's it's deeply personal to him and it ends up being like rocky um and at least from the trailers like if this is you know this is directorial debut but like it seems it seems fine like from the trailer in terms of directing it looks okay you know, it seems, everything's, yeah, it seems it's following competent cinematic grammar. There's nothing that like stands out to me is is bad. Yeah, there's nothing innovative, but I wouldn't expect that. But you know, like to to your point, Peter, it it follows a lot of the rules that <laughs> I talk about in in our mm-hmm. reviews, and it Which, looks it looks perfectly competent. Yeah, and you could say, oh, that's that's the editor doing it. That's not. <laughs> you know the director but the director has to he you know he makes the the choices he's typically yeah. in the room with the editor yeah they're all there's they're also all a big uh, there's a big basketball element to this too he's 
Yeah. Kid finds out he's pretty good at basketball. And uh, Ray Romano's character, um, I think, pushes him to be better and, like, take it somewhere. But maybe he pushes him too hard. I'm not sure. Well, the the premise is, like, he wants him to get the sports scholarship so he can, you know, get out of this town. This yeah. town being Queens. <laughs> yeah. Um you know Not, the small small town of queens the do the going nowhereville of queens new york um well living in their shack hey, living hey my ma's from queens i take i take umbrage to that mm, i take dolores umbrage well we're a bronx family deal with it <laughs> uh at least we're not from yonkers Pelham Ave, suck my dick. <laughs> oh, Yonkers! It's time for my yearly, like, Jake's about to debate, go bonkers on Yonkers. Uh, inner debate about because taxes are due and um, <laughs> how Yonkers oh, has an exception to everything. Well, I guess I don't need to worry about that shit anymore. I don't think. Uh, yeah, that's right. I uh, New York. Are you sure Yonkers might show up on on Maryland taxes? I don't Maybe. know. I'll, I'll see. <laughs> I'll let you guys know if, if Yonkers pops up anywhere. I'll be like, are you a Yonkers citizen? So the reason Yonkers <laughs> has so many weird tax things is because um, they would otherwise fall in like the very high tax counties around them. Um, and obviously that would not be popular because the median wages in Yonkers are far lower than they are in the city. Um, so they have a lot of rules and exceptions to kind of lower their burden look that's a that's a way way better guess than what i would have said so it's not a guess it's <laughs> it's actually the situation i thought and it might actually be still i mean i thought it was the universe that Wee herman lives in with that house it exists in the zone of yonkers um ain't, ain't no way you're gonna the tax zone. That the same i mean it does get usps uh like sent there because USPS has to be delivered everywhere. But like the property tax in that Pee Wee Playhouse house has mm-hmm. to be like crazy low. I can't imagine they're all pulling in really high what salaries if, from there. What if Yonkers like, was gosh. like like an economic super fund site? You know, like most tax breaks are controlled demolitions, but this one was it was a catastrophic tax break. Like the taxes broke. They sh- tax shrapnel just went everywhere. Financial ruin, as far as the eye what? can see. What is a Yonkers? <laughs> what miserable do... pile of secrets? Yonkers. When at what time do you yonk? The, the Urban Dictionary defines Yonkers as the backyard of the Bronx, population 200,000, 18 square miles. McLean Avenue divides Yonkers from the Bronx. Bronx. Oh, thank you, Phil. Posting this January 26, 2004. Seemingly almost 20 years ago. Good God. That's probably when the site launched. (laughs) We're we're growing up, boys. We're getting older. Unlike Peter Pan and Wendy. Ah, yes. Peter Pan and Wendy. The the one movie that I was really hoping was going to be on my 2023 bingo card. That I was going to be able to get get to watch on disney plus mm-hmm. and looks like my disney plusy is gonna be fulfilled with peter I, pan and wendy you know that that one got me i don't know why but disney plusy 
That one, um, that struck, that, that plucked a string in my soul. And the only... I'm vibrating at a lower frequency now. It's just that not Disney great. Nussie, you know? The only notable thing to me about this trailer is that the one child who introduced themselves as the Lost Boys sounded a little bit like Big Shaq to me. And that's, that's just about how... all the enjoyment I derived from this trailer. That's, uh, I'm just, that's just I'm how just... black people in England sound, Kurt. I've I I've watched the you I've said watched it many episodes me. of the Chicken Connoisseur. Uh, did you all make your popcorn um, and get ready for the Twitter? Uh, rawr, 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 angry man yells at clouds about Tinkerbell being black and the Lost Boys, including females in it, or dare I say, girls. Um, I, you know what? It wasn't front and center. I didn't so really notice that Tinkerbell and... was black. <laughs> I also wow. you don't see color no i just didn't pay That's close attention really and she's small for most and of yet, it and so yellow i didn't miss the one shot that had her no. i missed the one shot that had her in frame as being black just because um, you don't see color doesn't mean it doesn't exist so. i mean obviously i see color i'm a little colorblind but that's not how it works <laughs> i mean i Say, you know, I mean, we're all talking about this, but we're ignoring the fact that Peter Pan is literally divorced. He's literally separated from his shadow self. Yeah, but it's, I it's want like them to, uh, it's like in Kingdom Hearts when you have to fight Shadow Sora. Something, something separate but equal. Uh, no, what I want them to do, they they're not going to do it in this. I want them to like take bite the bullet. I want Peter Pan to kidnap these kids, hold them hostage, like he does yeah. in in the in the man in the manga, in the manga, in the manga version of Peter Pan. <laughs> they're leaving out, they're leaving out the uh, the evil Peter arc. They're whitewashing his history. So they definitely also whitewashed the hell out of the the Indians, um, by uh, excluding all the racist elements to it, uh, and that's upsetting we want you're appropriating our cultural appropriation uh, they should keep some of the insensitive shit in there like the oh awesome yeah i never understood where that originated from probably this fucking movie <laughs> probably peter pan <laughs> could be I, I think i wonder if they were the first ones to do it and they're like it... hey ain't this goofy for like some reds to start going oh. not impossible <laughs> Walt Disney was on one dude I, have you, you know ever what? seen I kind of wonder if that was just how people tried to imitate the work calls because they couldn't do it mm. like <laughs> probably yeah honestly I'm, so I'm, I looked it up I'm, I'm looking it up on Quora which as we know is just a, a absolutely factual source it's really it's the spiritual successor yahoo answers and that's what i appreciate about it um so they did (laughs) the question is as posed by uh the the questionnaire did native americans ever make that (laughs) with their hand over their mouth like like you used to hear on cowboy slash indian films um and the answers are uh do, 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 do. let me post that for you to read for oh, fun no, I, I have um, to read it 
No, no. The so the answer is like you know all tribes are different. There are 573 recognized tribal nations in the U.S. There is a two-part answer to this question. One, no tribe I ever know have made this noise with their hand over their mouth. However, some tribes make this noise called ululation in all the situations where a European would applaud by moving the tongue and uvula inside the mouth. When they were in school, my kids lived in fear of me doing this at a school awards ceremony. But to be fair, so did every other Comanche kid they went to school with. In our tribe, the noise is made exclusively by women and gay men. Amazing. So there you have it. Straight from someone claiming to be a Comanche Indian. On the, from or from Wayoti O'Clerk Stern. Who has I mean, studied being Comanche slash uh, Numunu. Interesting. Good. Thank, thank you, Cora. Thank you, Rabbit Hole. Um, moving along. That's interesting. That'd be a Comanche person, considering the Comanche were just shown in a recent Hollywood movie. Which wait? Pray. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that one. Peter, you are the weirdest guy I know in terms of memory. You can't remember what you had for breakfast this morning, what you said to me at lunch, but you remember that one random uncommon from Scars of Mirrodin that breaks the commander that I was talking about. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I just kind of rely on the global mind form to fill in all my blanks. Like you can, it's you. You can really min max when you have access to the to the world soul. You know. <laughs> I can live off in this corner of the of of the uh, the mind sphere, um, and I can, I can find our next trailer uh, in that corner somewhere around here. Um, I think I think we're gonna talk about Ma- Mama Mafia. So, in years Bor- years born from into now, mafia. when people are talking about the history of cinema, I feel like twenty twenty three is going to be a very remembered year. And they're going to circle it and be like, so it was around about this time that uh, cinema died when we had Cocaine Bear and Mama Mafia Ma- make it into theaters. Uh, Mafia Mama? Or uh, whichever. I'm sure it doesn't matter. It's a big difference. <laughs> I assure you, it is not. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it is just, it, you know, it's the princess... Diaries, mafiosa edition. Yeah, um, and like you said, Kurt, um, I I agree that this would be better served as a like a TV series, like a like a little season of a show. Yeah, like I couldn't tell for the longest time if this was supposed to be a movie or a TV show, like a combination of Weeds and Entourage. Yeah, yeah, like I mean this. They've made this show before, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that it works. And um, I don't know. It's just it. There's nothing about it that looks particularly like terrible, but it's all very unoriginal. And these are the. These are also like yeah. Some of the. This is in the the top tier of over the top Italians. No, They're, that's about right. 
they all simultaneously lean over their shoulder and spit when your en- when your rival family is mentioned. It was it was a weird time in Italy, but yeah. Neck, be neck flexibility was at an all time high. Yeah, um, it's a great year, I gotta say though, for um, Italians and Italian Americans because uh, we're really getting the representation that we lacked in in a lot of media. Um, with the yeah, they've the, never made a movie about Italians no, before. <laughs> no, well, it, it, it's it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, and we need more. We need more of that Italian American and Italian do we? representation. It has oh, it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yes, I mean, Luca just came out, like, what, two years ago? We are getting lambast. Everybody's making fun about us, like, oh, using our hands. They're breaking spaghetti in front of us. See, I don't they're, know, they're... Jake. Like, I mean, Brendan Fraser ate an Italian. He, he ate a chicken parm in The Whale, you know, and that movie. He's going to get an award you know, for that. He also destroyed a pizza, two pizzas. It was he uncomfortable also to watch. literally inhaled a meatball sub. Yeah, and and, and almost died. <laughs> um, but no, we got that Ray Romano. We got somewhere in Queens, all big fucking thick Italian Americans, and, and now we got these Guidos fresh off the uh, Italy boat. I think they're Italy. still in Italy. I don't think they're still, they yeah, got fresh on off the still boat. in the boat. <laughs> they went from America to Italy. I don't think they got on the boat. <laughs> they're American Italians. They missed the boat. <laughs> Yeah, these are all the true Italians who are too lazy and 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 uh, and what's the word? Um, drunk, wino uh, drunk. Late. Yeah, well, late. They they sleep in. They're lazy, you know. Oh, uh, gabagool. They're the authentic lazy Italians that miss the boat. They they're not punctual. They miss they miss the the boat. Well, they Italians don't have a history of being punctual. That's another cultural no. aspect they stole from the Greeks. Yeah, yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Because Italy has no culture of its own. <laughs> we we earned, it's all earned North African and Grecian. We earned all of, our, all of our culture. You tried building all that shit. And doing culture at the same time. No. You know, I could I we could let, try my hand at building the Tower of Pisa. You know, we, we might let, I think I can get it to stand up Greece, straight. <laughs> we let Greece do all the 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 wimey blimey philosophical thinky shit. Hundreds of years actually, before Italy ever existed. Yeah, and then we stole it. And then Italy <laughs> stole it, rightfully so. It's it's around our area, so it belongs to us. And then uh, you know, the rest of Europe. Yeah, With I that mean, damn, those damn Ottomans. <laughs> I can't remember correctly if we if we got beat by the Ottomans or I not. Think I think it was thought... a lot of it was uh, Rome got too big to control. Persians too, maybe. And um, you what had a lot of. I mean, well, it makes sense. Like even to this day, like Italians and Goths, I, there's not a lot of interaction there. Yeah, they called them barbarians. Because that's what the Romans called everyone who wasn't Roman. <laughs> savages, pure savages. I and think we were going to bring our Italian heritage to them. I think they were like savages, like uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. What about Mel Gibson? Does he have a trailer that I missed? No, it wasn't he like uh, he was Braveheart or some shit. Yeah, but that's Scotland. That's a different time period altogether. Uh, Russell Crowe. Was uh, Russell Crowe Maximus and Gladiator? Perhaps that's what you were thinking of. 
I was definitely thinking of Braveheart. I just, <laughs> the time, you know, I was like, oh, you know, it's like, you know, warriors on that island. Sure. They probably fought the Romans at some point. Yeah. I don't think Rome ever tried to go into England. It was the at the very end. That was like yeah, one of, it, that was the that was the stretch goal on that particular yeah. Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just started crumbling back at home, and they're like, "Oops." <laughs> Got you, you. They have the uh, that upbeat like the Kickstarter tune. <laughs> do, 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 do. Guys, I'm happy to announce we've just made we've just reached our campaign in Gaul. Milestone. Do you want to see our Roman Empire touch the edges of Europe? <laughs> and much, please yeah. give what you can. Everything helps. And if you don't, we'll crucify you. <laughs> we know who did and, and did just it. and just like a Kickstarter campaign that got too large, <laughs> they brought in outside management and it just it tumbled on down. That's why you never don't bring in consultants. They're they just did. going to cause you to downsize. Look, it failed like all. A lot of corporations fail due to the dreaded reorg. And when Constantine, Constantine came in, tried to reshuffle everything, move the capital, <laughs> the whole thing just kind of fell apart. Yeah. Didn't work. Didn't it's almost work. like moving your center of operations to the very edge of your empire makes it harder to manage the totality of your empire. And much like the Roman Empire, we have... The blackening. I, you know what? I had, I don't, I didn't have a better uh, segue into that. So we'll take it. Um, I guess, I guess not. Um, as, I don't know how to feel about that. Like, obviously, on principle, when I, when I saw the trailer and the premise, I was like, okay, who let the Wayans brothers back into the studio? <laughs> um, but it's, it's not the Wayans brothers, I don't think. And there are a couple things in the trailer that make this seem like it might not be the absolute worst. I would, what if it was... I would stop well short of calling it good. And I'm not sure if it wants to be um, like kind of more serious of a horror movie or it's going to be more like a scary movie thing. It doesn't feel like it's quite diverging on that level of silly. Yeah. I just had to um, double check to make sure it was directed at least by a black man. It was. Yeah, I'm. Just want to make sure. Looking at this, um, so yeah, it's, it was Tim's story. Reunite for a Juneteenth weekend getaway. Wow, we're... Mm-hmm. did not take them long to make the Juneteenth horror movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tim's story, known for uh, such such cinematic such cinematics as uh. 2005's Fantastic Four, uh, Barbershop, Think Like a Man, um, 2021's Tom and Jerry. That was that was a Tim Story joint. Oh shit, that's right, it was, and it had the rapping pigeons. I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, to give him credit though, he also did stuff like the Kevin Hart uh, Let Me Explain special. Um, he did. He was a director for an episode of CSI Miami. Um, wait, wait which did, one had the rapping pigeons? The 2021 Tom and Jerry. Um, the movie you didn't he did the, He did the Shaft remake. <laughs> I blanked out on that one. He did which Ride Shaft Along remake? 2. 
and ride along. And uh, Super Ninjas. Ex- oh, it's a, it's a Nickelodeon live action show. He did like a an episode of that. Um, yeah, I mean, a he's bunch got of music videos. He's got a uh, he's got sixty seven directing credits, so he's nothing if not experience Prolific, he's also yeah. the director for an in development monopoly movie slated to come out in 2027 that's why they're playing a board game in this and ride along three which is also <laughs> have, in development have we hit the board game cinematic universe now is he headlining? it's time he to reboot jumanji ladies and gentlemen again okay yes they're going to connect the blackening to Monopoly to Jumanji. I'm down. I'm down for that. I'm, I'm waiting just surprised for as... all the settlers of Catan. Oh, shit, yeah. I'm just surprised this guy was allowed like out of his cell after Taxi. I'm assuming he did time for that movie, right? <laughs> I mean, he I, put... I haven't seen it, so I don't know what kind of joke that is. Oh. It's not good. I just remember watching it like 20 times on like FX along with the likes of iRobot. And uh, Day After Tomorrow is another FX classic. Day After Tomorrow. Oh. All the the cheap, easily licensed movies they could get their hands on. Yeah. FX had the movies. Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon had a had a moment. A moment I, when they realized that maybe film was not in the cards for their careers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, this movie, I guess, um, well, no, it wasn't actually based on like a, a skit, but a lot of, I guess there was a skit there where, that was very much like this. So in spirit, it's kind of one of those uh, SNL movies where they take the one bit and just stretch it out into a feature film. So I was thinking it was more along the lines of um scary movie, which that's what I thought that's too. I, that's why I got like instantly like yeah, Wayans Brothers. Um, like we have the, well, I guess a evil board game isn't really in a lot of stuff, but you have the cabin in the woods um aspect mm-hmm. to this, and it's with the saw the guy on, on classic, the TV. Yeah, saw guy on the TV, classic horror you know bits from a bunch of stuff. I would would be surprised if there was more. Um, but, you know, I do like the premise that, like, can they all die first? Can all die first. That who's, one got me to chuckle a little bit. the blackestest? And there were a couple, there were a couple lines there, like, when they were trying to figure out, well, I know I'm not the black. <laughs> I voted for Trump twice. <laughs> twice. That was. That got I a genuine that... laugh out of me. I do think there might be actually some good if this is written and the actors are like do a a halfway decent job of like delivery, I think this actually has like potential to be pretty solid. I feel like mm-hmm. this is gonna be a movie that has a handful of good kind of like the later scary movies where there's a handful yeah. of genuinely funny jokes, but a lot of misfires and just sloppy movie in between them um maybe yeah. maybe i'm wrong and maybe it it turns out to be you know like the first two scary movies 
I'm rewatching the trailer. <laughs> I just see the guy who has a gun. Fucking. Oh, yeah, he turns it. Sideways, turns right it sideways, way. pops off a couple of things. In the middle of shots, his friend turns it. Okay, okay. I hope they didn't put everything in the trailer. Yeah. Because, fucking damn. I, at, at first, I didn't think much of this, but I'm actually a little intrigued. Um, yeah. I'll, it's one of those I'll wait for word to come back from the those more. Oh, I will say we are very prepared to watch this movie. We've done the research. We've watched Boo Boo Two of Medea Halloween. We have a extensive back catalog of black horror movies. Horror. <laughs> we we that's our niche. <laughs> we, we have actually reviewed between the three of us a shocking amount of yeah. black enough horror to know movies. enough to know that the the black person usually actually doesn't die that first that often. It's it is one of those like um Mandela effect kind of memes where it, it, someone made a joke about it and just kind of caught on. Um, yeah. But I mean, everyone everyone gets the joke, so I mean, it works. Yeah. Um, speaking of horror speaking movies of with horror. black uh, main characters, uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion. They're taking another stab at it uh, after the Eddie Murphy uh, debacle. <laughs> <laughs> featuring yeah, um, featuring and Owen Wilson. Yeah, and the Muppets attempted to doing his. He's he's even got his Steve Zissou red beanie cap on. Owen this. Wilson and um, uh, Danny DeVito is also in this. Danny DeVito, Jared yep. Leto, Rosario Jamie Lee Dawson. Curtis, everyone's favorite Rosario Dawson. Um, who's, the, uh, who's the guy from? Uh, is he? I can't tell if he's from. He's from one of the Jordan Peele movies. I think it's the up guy, or not up, uh, up get down. out guy. Well, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is the only one I don't recognize immediately, yeah. so that would be my yeah. guess. Yeah, he is. He was in Sorry to Bother You. Um, Sorry oh, to Bother You. He was pretty good in that. Uh, the movie wasn't good, but he wasn't bad in it. Judas and the Black mm-hmm. Messiah, like Death Note? Question mark? He wasn't get out, and he was in Atlanta. Okay. Uncut Gems, apparently, too. Yeah, so Haunted Mansion, um, they've they've tried to make Haunted Mansion a thing in movie form a a couple times now. I don't think it was just... Again, we've prepared for this. We've seen the Muppet version. Um, I don't think the the was that specifically a haunted mansion movie, or they're just in a haunted mansion. I believe by so. I believe it was like the Muppets Haunted Mansion. Um. Yeah, it's it's called Muppets Haunted Mansion. Okay, but I, and it's on. It was on Disney Plus. Yeah, I, I I recall the circumstances of its release, but I don't know. Well, I guess what is the plot of Haunted Mansion other than it's a mansion that's haunted? Right. And and like the some... ride doesn't tell much of a story. You're just in the air condition and they silk screen project some ghosts next to you in the mirror as you drive by. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh! 
It's it has as much plot as Pirates of the of the Caribbean did. Well, Pirates of the Caribbean showed the original version. They've since remodeled it to be all Johnny Depp, but um, or have Johnny Depp be in it a lot. Uh, they might have actually oh, sure, undone yeah. that after his uh, legal drama earlier. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, it was if a for collection no other of reason. scenes, yeah, of yeah. of yeah. Pir- what what the Caribbean was like during the time of pirates, and it was very like evocative. You know, mm-hmm. you could you could look at it and, and like kind of be transported and interested to explore that world a little bit more. So, and and to the credit, they made a fairly successful and at least one of the movies was quality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this um this has to play what I what I feel is a very fine line, or it's a very small target, which is spooky. Like you know, spoopy times one and a half, you know? Where it's almost actually scary, but you have everyone need everyone it's a, it's still like kind of a family film. I feel um, like Disney has a pretty good track record of walking that line though you think of shit like hocus pocus and halloween town and nightmare before christmas this is oh, kind of like that, the bread and butter <laughs> did that kind of fall did that fall under a disney property i, I didn't um, realize touchstone pictures was a disney company okay yeah fair enough yeah halloween yeah and it's in oh, kingdom hearts that. so double check oh me. yeah yep yeah, I think I think it's all on um, on Disney Plus. Who would you get to play? All right, in the in the um, you know the poorly planned out live action Nightmare Before Christmas adaptation, who would who would you have play Jack Skellington? Nightmare Before live action Nightmare. It's kind of like sacrilege to even exactly think up one um Joel they'll, film it, they'll film it and cut frames to make it look like it's stop motion uh, uh i have an idea one of the scars scars jennifer coolidge's husband from white lotus you got uh, me there aka uh uncle ricky from uh ricky rick Napoleon dynamite is that what his name was rick no, that that was Tommy Wiseau's character, and hopefully his character in the upcoming Big Shark. We're very we're we're hotly anticipating Big Shark. Ever since John half an hour ago, I was I'm stoked. I've been I've been keeping an eye on Big Shark ever since I saw it was coming uh, when we were doing Best Friends Volume Two. Yeah, he's you've been on it. I've been on Big Shark. I thought Big Shark was John out. Grease. John Grise. Uh, be perfect. Uh, John. Ah, yes. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uncle Rico. Sorry. <laughs> Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. He could throw that football over the mountain. I would. Uh. I don't know. I I think one of the scars scars would. <laughs> That's generally well, their say, their niche. <laughs> I say John Grise because if you shave him up, you don't even have to put uh, any makeup on him. He's 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 as he, he looks, looks like as skeletal up. as I do right now. Yeah, he's a he's a very skeletony man. 
So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I would just get Danny Elfman to do it. <laughs> Save on cost. I, I really hope you're going to say Danny DeVito again. Danny he could be Oogie no, Boogie. He's, uh, he's, yeah, he's Oogie Boogie. Yes. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good casting. There's so many roles I think that are just Danny DeVito incarnate. That's why he's that's that, why he's so powerful. Wait, I'm he's sorry, such an what? Character. Kurt's made a discovery. Beetlejuice two? Is there a trailer Do, for it? They better not make a third one. Michael Keaton returns as Beetlejuice in Oh. He must the, have found the Adrenochrome. He he yeah. he got inducted to the cabal a couple of years back. He's going back and they, he's he's playing his eighties hits. <laughs> oh my god. Is this upcoming? Is this out? It doesn't have any ratings. I guess it's not out yet. Who is yeah, I wanna see like what information is is on this. I love I love how it's also known as and I think it's the the German or maybe like the Swedish name for it. Just better butchuk too. Tim Burton said this film would only be made if Michael Keaton would return to reprise his role. Keaton said in March of twenty fourteen that this is the only sequel he's interested in doing. He then proceeded oh, to reprise his role as Batman. <laughs> Um, apparently well, this, not a sequel. the script's that's been been worked on since 2012 oh dear uh, Chloe Grace Morenz was rumored to play Lydia's daughter oh Chloe Grace Montez. oh Chloe yeah. uh, gotta gotta carry you gotta have that umlaut yeah she the umlaut also girl? in um fucking uh-huh. Tom and Jerry 2021 yes as it's all late come together. February deadline has confirmed that Brad Pitt's production company Plan B has boarded Beetlejuice 2 while the script has yet to be written, which contradicts the above trivia note. Good job, IMDb. As of April 2019, the film has officially confirmed to be shelved. Okay. Fine. I don't know Great. what the sourcing on that is. Um... But when I when I googled, when I Google, I googled Danny Elfman, and Beetlejuice two came up in his movies, and it has like an official poster, or a poster that at least or a, looks a very nifty official. little. Um... But it's on IMDb. I mean, yeah, I know. mean, someone registered it. Yeah. Speaking of uh, films that aren't out but could be out at a certain point. Um, the uh, who is it? Bat and Bat in the Shadow, um, which is like a I don't know if they're a production company or if they're just a YouTube channel. They're um, yeah, they're, they're a thing. They're an entity. Um, Kickstarter. They announced okay. They they kickstarted a lot of stuff. They announced uh, I don't know if it was today or yesterday or something like that that they will have it's an announcement of an announcement in the middle of March for the um. Legend of the White Updates Dragon. Updates to Legend of the White Dragon, which is, I'm assuming that means that all of the scenes are shot, and it just needs to be run through post-production and maybe some reshoots. 
it means something. It's it's news, which is more than mm. we've had for quite some time on this. We've been we've been actually keeping loose tabs on this movie for a few years now. Yeah. Um and now unfortunately uh Jason David Frank has passed away and he was in this movie. Mm. Um but yeah, they were getting an announcement of some sort in March. Um you know, optimistically, it's a release date. Um, but the vague language they use kind of doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in me. It's it is yeah, it's classic. Um, like we said before, it's it's Kickstarter language. Well, it, it also seems like a lot of the um, the plot synopsis has been super vague and untouched for years. It still has in the aftermath. The city was left decimated, a past reminder of the great battle and fall of heroes. The heroes were blamed, stripped of their titles, and hunted. Um, still a badass fucking movie poster, though. Yeah, I mean, it looked, it, it looked like it'd be schlocky, but the kind of schlock that I'm into. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll see. I, I hope it comes out. I would like to watch it. Yeah. I would very much like to watch it. Okay, let's move off trailers finally. <laughs> yeah, so we have watched every trailer. And take a look at the box office results in a segment we call The Follow-Up. And do that. So Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, still in first, but receiving unexpectedly stiff competition from Cocaine Bear. <laughs> this... I think was truly a success of marketing. Um, maybe not an absolute success because word of mouth eventually got out that the movie was mid to too poor. Uh, the marketing was so strong. I was ready to, we were ready to watch it this week. I was, I was in it. And then we heard, you know, we heard from these real reviewers. Um, we'll, 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 we'll get back to those real reviewers. To paraphrase, um, the great Martin Short, as his legendary character, Jiminy Glick. You know, so much of your work I had meant to see, but then word came back from those you had. <laughs> this is this is exactly that. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, the fact that um, Ant-Man the Wasp, yeah, has dropped 70% and is now like, it's on an, it's on a level playing field with Cocaine Bear. Um in striking distance proves like I'm worth I said what four or five weeks in the top ten. Um yeah. probably it's probably gonna eclipse that, but not by much. Yeah. Um I said give it eight weeks before it's on Disney Plus. It might only get six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I was um Oh, it's kinda weird. It's just that like this movie's kinda like billed as a um, if you compare it to like the phase three kind of stuff, it's, uh, it's like the Thor Ragnarok. It's like kind of the, the, one of the last big names before we get a, a solid Avengers movie. Um, and this is not going well. And I, I just think that's maybe people don't really care that much about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, you mm. know, we'd much rather see Thor over who has a, you know, a few movies under his belt. I think than, it's, uh, it, the, it was just kind of a weird match between character and situation 
Yeah, like right. the the appeal of Ant Man. I didn't get to give my two cents on the film last week, so I guess I'll I'll shoehorn them in here. Uh, the appeal of Ant Man was largely low consequence action of a street level hero who was kind of a doofus. Um, mm-hmm. This story, yeah, feels a lot more like something the Fantastic Four would would be dealing with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because this was again. Well, I I forget what the um, what they ran into in the comic books that gave them their powers, but they just got hit by cosmic rays. Cosmic rays. Yeah, they were on an outer cool, space yeah. adventure, and they were hit by cosmic rays. So, um, I I was reading more into what Kang is and what Kang's all about and like all the variants or whatever. Um, it kind of is silly how they're how they're running out Kang. Um, they're doing him backwards, kind of, where they're like kind of saying, "Hey, this is our next villain, and here's all of his variants." Where in the comics they had all of these villains who seemed. Um, not connected in any way shape or form and then at one point they retconned everything which was seamless because variants exist <laughs> but they retconned it to be they're all kings they're all all these ones the egyptian pharaoh that fought that fantastic four a long yeah. time ago uh, this guy immortus i think was, was the one with the big the, hat this guy immortus who's like the big bad he's he was in this other comic that you know he wasn't called Kang, but he's Immortus, and he's actually this guy who's a time traveler and all this shit. And that was the big like twist that I think if you ever pulled off, I think you you might get a bigger, mm-hmm. I would say, normie reaction. Yeah. Where if comic book readers have already had that plot twist spoiled for them, maybe that's what they're banking on is that most people have already had that twist spoiled for them but they're not even attempting anything with this yeah like it, yeah. It, they could have pulled something cool off if they and not even have to change loki at all like you show kang in the first one and then you show all these other villains in other marvel movies and it's the same yeah. guy but you never say they don't say anything it really feels yeah. like that should have been what they did with phase four right just have yeah. all their discrete movies and their villains be tied back to kang and that's yeah. like part of the reveal in Kang Dynasty or whatever the the next Avengers movie is going to be called. But instead, not only did they not do that and and you know kind of do that whole reveal in the post credit scene of the Ant Man in the Wasp movie, um, mm-hmm. they showed them defeating a Kang, <laughs> Ant Man and yeah. the Ant Family, you know. Pretty fucking Earth's handily too. least like, powerful adventures. <laughs> the, the joke Avenger. That they didn't lose a lot. In that. They really <laughs> took very little loss. You know, they, I won't. I wouldn't call it easy, but uh, they came out of it very unscathed. Even the daughter, who had only been an ant person for like six hours. Yeah. Ant Ant Machina is a uh, turns out a really good move. <laughs> it was so funny because there was a there was an early scene with really bad CGI that we were watching, and Peter and I were riffing pretty hard on the movie the entire time. And I'm like, I turned, I we saw it, and I was like, oh my god, that's like Starship Troopers level bad. And at the end of the movie, when all the ants come, I'm like, when did this movie actually become Starship Troopers? 
Yeah, right. <laughs> the big bugs with the cannons on them and the little bugs which overrun the ground forces. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Yep. I mean, that's, um, that's so, uh, yeah, the Clodapian. Yeah. We already talked a whole bunch last week about quantum media. The only other thing I'll say is, like, defeating Kang with this is either... It's war. It's wharf affecting one of these guys, right? It's either setting up, you know, it's him being weak to show how like strong the the Kangen fodder are, um, or it's just gonna make them all look super weak when anyone can beat them. So it's it's just not good. It's just it's not good. Yeah, for the I whole, think the latter, um, especially with the way they did the post credit scene, or like. They alluded to the other Kangs being wary of this Kang. Yeah. Because he threatened them in some way. That's why he was banished in the first place. So if he's like the Kang they're all concerned about, and Ant-Man and his family on their, you know, summer vacation just punked his ass out, what the fuck do I give a shit about Kang for? Yeah. Why why are we concerned? Why why are we really concerned? Yeah, Yeah. it's... uh... Just invite... Invite them over, you know, bring them onto the nice comfy couch, and then six Kangs walk in behind and they give them a nice Kang bang. (laughs) Who knows? Hopefully, this Kang is not dead. Maybe that's the thing. They'll bring him back, and this is actually the one we need to worry about. I hope. But I hope Ant Man. I don't know. Pull the same move on (laughs) him. I hope in their next encounter, (laughs) Ant Man gets big and he fights the big variant of Kang. Whose name is King Kang? <laughs> King Kang, and it's a big old kaiju fight. I just yeah, I want that so that. bad. Um, but well, that would be again, fun. We can't have that in Marvel movies anymore. No. Nor can we have it with Cocaine Baron number two, um, which is our spotlight this yeah. week. Twenty three point two. Because I didn't want million. to watch it, so we're gonna talk. We're gonna see what other people had to say about it. Uh, thirty-four million dollars. Yeah, another reason I found out a couple days ago, uh, that I I don't think I'll go see this in the theaters because I found out that Elizabeth Banks directed this, and while I don't hate Elizabeth Banks, I'm still not really pleased with the fact that she she insinuated that the reason that Charlie her Charlie's Angels reboot flopped was because movie audiences are super sexist and not that her movie was bad. Oh, that's why I didn't like it. Is there dumb broads in it? Yeah, I, I mean it's Charlie, Charlie's guy name. Yeah, I thought I was going. I thought I was watching a dude flick with like we were gonna have it's some like Hell's Angels, but it's Charlie's Angels, you know, ripped, jacked, roided out dudes fighting crime. Yeah, and like I, maybe, I really should have gone to see Magic Mike's Last Dance. You know, that has <laughs> yeah. some real men in it. Um, oh yeah, probably. I should probably go see that instead. So, right. cocaine bear. We just want to do anything but cocaine. Yeah, really, just bear. just don't want to talk oh, about cocaine. Um, take a drink for every bear pun they do. I, many... I I've only skimmed mine, so I'm not sure how much that will be. Um, February twenty okay. fourth, that came out uh, six point five out of ten on IMDb. 70% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, interestingly enough, about a 54% on Metacritic. So, generally mixed reviews. But uh, a review that isn't mixed is this one from Young Master Seth. 
Cocaine Bear, 10 out of 10. I am going to do cocaine. Submitted February 26th, 2023. I can't say much more than that. This was an amazing experience. Fun, chaotic energy, gory, and just plain entertaining. An epic adventure of the drug-induced story of this bear and all involved was an amazing journey in theaters. That is one sentence. Cool. The comedic experience was amazing, and I genuinely enjoyed every moment of the film. I was bawling in laughter multiple times during the movie. Super memorable, super enjoyable. This is the pinnacle of cinema. I request an order of a thousand sequels to this amazing film, an entire cocaine universe, and entire legend. Don't do drugs, kids. Or do, if you want to be like the bear. Uh, 8 out of 13 found that helpful. Okay. I kind of... I, okay. We're going to do two bad 1 out of 10s, but bad, they're, they're good. Um, instead of doing the good good bad ones, uh, which are like, oh, you know, Elizabeth Banks really missed the mark with this one, and like... This, the, oh, you yeah. mean just the oh, just the deranged slop? Yes, deranged. Of... Yeah, no, these are the the most IMDb users on IMDb oh. user reviews. Well, that's you tell me how about, this movie is, is like racist or something? Absolutely. Well, I was looking for where's the social outrage for this movie. Cocaine bear too woke. Yeah, <laughs> one out of ten. No, by a veto. Eight three four zero oh, six. Reviewed on the February 27th of our, our year, Lord, Savior, 2023, whatever. Yet another project that promotes drug use, making it look like it's normal to do drugs, not cool people. Why commas? Why not cool people? It doesn't make you cool to use or sell drugs and even... It seems uh, indirect. It is still promoting drug use. This is how they are brainwashing people into becoming addicts. And cocaine addicts don't realize and do not admit they are such. As a psychologist, I can tell you that addicts are losers. (laughs) (laughs) Winners don't do drugs, kids. (laughs) Dude, I... Dude, I fucking I read this beforehand. That is the greatest <laughs> I line. Skip, Move over. I skip that line. How far would you go to be famous? Would you kill for it? Move over. The list of cinematic transgressions run long. We have a new best line in the history of this segment. As a psychologist, I can tell you that addicts are losers. Move over. <laughs> pizza pipeline. Trixie sticks and zesty cheese bread. <laughs> <laughs> so if I say I'm a workaholic, am I a, am I a loser? Yeah. <laughs> Addicts are losers. I'm just addicted Jake. to those I'm just addicted to those sales when I go to JC Penney's, <laughs> you know. Am I a loser when I'm saving money? Well, Bitch. as a psychologist, this person can confirm scientifically I you guess all. I am. Scientifically, addicts are losers. People who use cocaine, quote, rarely a.k.a. on the weekends, are addicted. And the ones who are addicted 
are the weak link. <laughs> uh, Keep them coming by the social Darwinists. The mental, the mental gymnastics, dude. <laughs> if you, <laughs> dude, functional addicts, you, you guys are the. You're not addicted. You're good. You're good. You'll be the first to die in the apocalypse. <laughs> but the ones who like start throwing away their lives because they're too addled on cocaine. Fuck you. <laughs> Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. In the fa- <laughs> okay, so. Uh, and the ones who are addicted are the weak link in the family, at work, in society, or all together. Once you realize that, you are good. Smiley face. Three out of 18 found that. That out. might be the best review you've ever that's, pulled, Jake. That's good. That's, oh, gold. that's gold, Jerry. Gem, that's gold, Jerry. That's gold. Gold. I have to follow it up. Ugh. Yeah, I don't think my second review can compare now. You know what? Um, But we're going to try, and we're going to try with the help of Floopy Floopy Goober and his uh, 4 out of 10 review. Uh, Cocaine might make this film bearable. (laughs) Oh! Uh, Giving it four stars on the basis that the violence is funny. Almost every other point in this film was a missed opportunity. A funny line here. An absurd moment there. A minute amount of entertainment in this very long-feeling sub-two-hour cinematic disaster piece. I I try to find the best of the bad bunch. Moonfall last year was actually an amazingly entertaining example of a bad film. Leaned into its absurdity and ended holding its own. This was a great premise with a lot of promise for a ridiculously over-the-top and zany adventure. The result is sadly... The result, sadly, is a phoned-in character, characterless empty husk of a film with few redeeming moments of ultra-violent hilarity and a tiny amount of funny back-and-forths, though not enough to give it a pass. If you make it through the first 20 minutes of drab exposition, you may as well stay and watch the rest. Uh, try a stripe or two to get yourself in the vibe. The film doesn't bring it. Uh, two out of three. Two for three. All right. I don't think on uh like written word my my review here can compete with what what Jake just unleashed. So I'm going to have to try to bring some cocaine energy to it. Let's go. <laughs> From Watson Paid. 10 out of 10. Is Cocaine Bear the defining movie of our time? Yes. Yes, it is. I was amazed at the very age of the crowd of my showing. From 14 to 80, this movie is for everyone. We laughed together, and I haven't had a movie experience like that in over 15 years. I highly recommend it for a great time. We're talking about the movie, right? (laughs) (laughs) Even though it's only 90 minutes long, it feels just right. I wanted more. What's next? Shroom Snake? LSD Llama? Take my money. I haven't been this entertained in years, and I hope this movie gets the praise it deserves. Not everything has to be serious, and sometimes we just need a hilarious, ridiculous, but true premise to help us forget about all the messed up stuff in this world. I laughed, I cried, and I prayed in 90 minutes. That's good. It's time well spent. <laughs> you know, thank you, Doug, <laughs> for having found that helpful. Okay. All right, I got to try to try to at least come close. All right. Don't even worry Alea about it. Alea Hart. Alea Hart says, pitiful, one out of ten. 
This movie is a perfect example of how disconnected most Americans are from the outdoors and wild animals. Oh, a whole other angle. I'm liking it. <laughs> if this if this was an essay, I'm hook, hooked in, hook, line, and sinker, baby. Native Americans. Go on. The ancient Korean noble class <laughs> knew the power of the king. I've been a Native American for 25 years. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, long respected Bear as a teacher of wisdom and great power and strength. Only people so disconnected from the earth and wild animals could begin to find humor in this pitiful film. Do yourself a favor... And take a hike instead of wasting money on this movie. Instead of anthropomorphizing Mm -hmm. or giving human traits to animals, they defined it for us. Thank you. You always love remind your text. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of anthropomorphizing human fascination with drugs in a bear, how could this be funny? Written by a Rocky Mountain tracker and friend of the Wild Ones. Wake up, America. The Wild Ones are disappearing while you are filling your brain with junk. Two out of ten found this helpful. Just asking questions. Wake up, sheeple. (laughs) Wake up. It's time for... Wake up, America. The Wild Ones. Was this Tucker Carlson? (laughs) Back from his hike. His alt account. (laughs) His alt account, yeah. Oh, you know what we should do? We should get in touch with whoever does the fucking AI-generated Biden Trump themes. Kick them them to to do these reviews. Do some of these reviews, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. That's that's not bad. Um, That's a good idea. They can read stuff like this 4 out of 10. Um, It's like from from Right On Daddy-O. Right On Daddy-O. Right On Daddy-O. it's like snakes on a plane, or Shakespeare in love. You know what you're getting in the title alone. The problem with this title in particular is that as a ticket buyer, you know exactly what you're getting, and this movie doesn't bring the goods. You want it to be bonkers. Insane. It's not. This movie performs a number of tasks and ultimately fails on all of them. Is it funny? <laughs> At times. But it's not a continual laugh riot. There are a few chuckles, but the humor is often short-lived and disrupted by the sheer carnage you will observe between the apex predator and its victims. I'm good with the gore, but some theatergoers might find it difficult to stomach. A movie like this, if it's good at what it does, can successfully balance both gore and humor. Not here. Rule number 342 of bad movies kids in survival slash disaster films are totally annoying and surprisingly if not shockingly this r-rated film chooses to focus on two kids for a good duration of the runtime their southern accents are atrocious and their being in this movie heaps on mountainous minutes of monumental boredom thankfully this film only lasts about an hour and a half the director, maybe maybe the set designer, or the person in wardrobe, takes great glee in also piling on every single ridiculous 1980s-style prop one can imagine, and it is tiresome. Okay, we, we get it. It's in the 80s. The, mu- the music is good, though. This is not a scary movie. 
you'll be more frightened by entire super long stretches of dumb dialogue and the absolute misuse of the ever so talented and glorious Margot Martindale. There's also the tragic realization that this is one of the final films of the fantastic Ray Liotta. Both Martindale and Liotta uh, perform more than adequately in the roles they're given, as well as the always gorgeous Carrie Russell. She suits up rather nicely in cheesy 80s, 80s garb, I must admit. So, Cocaine Bear isn't that funny or scary, so what is it? Exactly. This movie wants to be all things, but in the end, it's nothing, and really, it almost seems like a kid's movie. A stupid kid's movie at that. Maybe even an after-school special? <laughs> How's that for an 80s reference? 9 out of 26. Found that helpful. Well, looks like Elizabeth Banks has another hit on her hands. <laughs> Bam. And then Jake's put another uh, classic review in the bank. Yeah, that was that's one that's going to stick with me. As a psychologist, addicts are losers. <laughs> addicts are losers. <laughs> they are the they are the weak link. Uh, so that's Cocaine Bear. Um, Cocaine down in third, we have Jesus Revolution. Do the, that do the re- revolved its way to a fifteen point eight million dollar opening weekend in just twenty four hundred theaters. Uh, hot on the per theater take of Cocaine Bear. Uh, this was the one about that hippie in in SoCal, and Kelsey Grammer's in yeah. it. And uh, it actually didn't look all that bad and let's see let's see what its uh reception is generally seven oh, pretty pretty positive in some outlets it's got a 7.7 mm-hmm. out of 10 on imdb which is typically the lowest but only a 57 percent on rotten tomatoes and 46 percent on metacritic but an 83 8.3 user score on metacritic so yep. seems I... like audiences like it critics yeah. not so I much mean... Yeah, it's a it's a movie with Jesus in the title that's in mainstream theaters. I'm sure it's doing. I mean, it's doing very well for itself. Well, you see, I'm not a Jesus person. the The proper name for a Christian, yes. <laughs> Jesus person. He's, he's Jesusy. But I was interested in this movie because it looked pretty. It didn't seem to be peddling an overtly religious message. Um, mm-hmm. and it looked like it it could have some some strong acting in it. I think it would, I'm just that that hair would beg to differ, though. You kind of you kind of starting to mm-hmm. look like a Jesus person, if you know what I mean. I do. I could put out an album called, or I think my audio biography will be called Ginger Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Fire Kiss Jesus. Jesus kissed by the fire. Jesus with the flame. Plus, Jesus Jesus three. Jesus with plus two fire damage. Jesus Jesus coming. Avatar Way Sorry. of the Water drops two spots. Um Oh no, James Cameron, your movie sucks dick, you dumb little idiot. In its eleventh week it brought in four point eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. Good enough for fourth. Uh down only twenty five percent. Let's see where it's at. It's $2.268 billion worldwide. So it's definitely not catching Endgame. It's definitely not catching the first Avatar. But I think James Cameron will settle for having two 
Oh, the three highest grossing movies of all time. <laughs> Just maybe. I guess. And three of the top four. <laughs> he's, he's all about them percentiles. Um, in fourth, or in fifth, sorry, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, down from fourth. Um, but it's it's neck and it's in terms of longevity, it's it's up there with Avatar. It's in yeah. its tenth week here. It's had um, a good run, and it its box office total is, shows as much four hundred forty four million dollars. That's a very, I think that's more than the last mainline Trek title yeah. by a significant Which, margin. Um, if any, for those of you who've seen the movie. Um, this definitely means we are getting Shrek Five or Shrek w- the next one, because at the end, they, they, the end credit scene is them going to far, far away land to go hang out with Shrek again. So we're there. We're, we're gonna pull. You, you know what? I, I, Eddie Murphy Myers. and Mike Myers clearly uh, are under contract there. with Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> So as soon as those deals are up, they don't got a lot going on. I could I could get behind a new Shrek if you retain most of the original voice cast and animate it in this style. I yeah. could I could I could fuck around with that. It's it, Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it kinda would do. They uh, I feel like they worked out the the whatever rut they were in when they made Shrek three, um, that was I guess that was that by by the word of the Shrek scholars that one was the 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 apocryphal uh, sequel. I feel like they just kept on taking like ideas and like running with it. Like what Shrek two was all about, like didn't Donkey have like a bunch of baby donkey dragon things? Nah, that was Shrek three. And then I mean maybe the oh, end of Shrek, Shrek two, three. but. Shrek, Shrek two or Shrek three had didn't, then he started having like a bunch of ogre spawn, right? Right. Shrek two was they go yeah. to far, far away land and the fairy godmother and Prince is Charming, trying to make, yeah, yeah. And Shrek turns into a human pretty boy, and that's where you meet yeah, Puss in Boots. And then they have the, one of the greatest montages, climax montages in an animated feature, where Kaiju uh, Gingerbread Man storms the castle while I Need a Hero is playing in the background. Yes. Yes. I th- I thought that movie was a dream. Shrek, but, uh, Shrek two yeah, wasn't bad. The first two Shreks were were decent enough movies, even if a lot of the humor in the first Shrek were dated pop culture references when the movie came out that are even further dated now. Like if you showed if you showed Shrek to a kid who didn't grow up in our era, I don't think they'd appreciate it as much as as we did because. They might not no. get references to movies like The Matrix or or yeah. the internal politics of Disney. I mean, to be fair, I didn't yeah. get that as a kid either, but um, that was a lot of the the jokes. But at least you were like able to recall it when you watched it mm-hmm. down the line. Didn't turn into mush in my brain. Um, so yeah, things are looking good for. You know, Shrek reanimated those guys. <laughs> They're all cheering in there. Shrek retold you. Yeah, and they're in their weird little holes. Especially the puppet guy. <laughs> Shrek puppet guy is happy. happy she turned guy. into a Shrek. <laughs> he, 
right. Uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance is in six, down three spots, $2.8 million in just the third week. So it kind of took it on the chin there. $48 million worldwide. Um, 80 for Brady. Dropped the spot. Down 49.3%, $1.9 million. It's only made $37 million, but also it's made $37 million. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say only? What was, you know, I all I want to know is what Guy Fieri's uh, cut of of this film was. What did, what was his fee? I, I want to know who decided to make this. Tom Brady. Like I want twenty-eight million dollar budget. By the I way, I want to see. I want to meet the people responsible, so I can smack them on the ass. Paramount Pictures, you sons of bitches. Paramount, you were having such a good year. <laughs> well, I guess it's the new year, right? So, twenty twenty two is over. They have to. They have to follow up their good year where they put out. A couple movies that people liked <laughs> and then start off their new year with 80 for Brady. So the, it was produced by Tom Brady, Michael Angelo Covino, Donna Gigliotti, Kyle Marvin, Jeffrey Stott. I don't know who any of those bastards are, but the they're just Hollywood people. And Tom uh, Brady. Just yeah. Big big old wads of money walking around. Knock at the cabin. Oh uh falls down to fifth. Uh one point eight million dollars in its fourth week. That, um, at least domestically, has done worse than eighty for Brady. Its international box office does put it over uh worldwide at least, fifty two point five million dollars. M Night Shyamalan, you can connect, uh, collect your next participa- participation trophy. Shyamalan, Shyamalan, you can collect your precipitation trophy at the door. Collect your precipitation trophy. Because <laughs> it's raining on your parade. Ooh. Oh, got it. Pulled it around. Uh, in ninth, we have Missing, which stays in the same spot it was last week, but it loses 41.7%. Uh, out of 510 theaters. So that's pretty much wrapping it up. And rounding out the top 10, we have A Man Called Otto, which has very quietly uh, had a nice box office run for itself, eclipsing $100 million worldwide. With with yeah, several that's, that's nominations, impressive. I believe. Yeah, it's got a few. So very quietly, A Man Called Otto. Quality film. People love their Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is great. I'm one of the people who loves himself some Tom Hanks. Um, all right. That's that's top ten. And um, I think that's just about the follow-up. Let's yep. talk gaming news. And we will only <clears throat> discuss a couple of stories. I think in the future I want to push this segment to be like we bring – each of us can bring a topic or a news story that we saw – during the week, and then we can have some some kind of more Round insightful table. discussion on it, um, yeah. or an open the floor for reviews moving forward. Um, but uh, we only got a couple stories because I I finally finished Sonic Frontiers. Let's hear it. And I'm gonna have 
some things to say, but I don't think I'll be able to say everything I have to say. I think I'm going to have to make a separate review video for Sonic Frontiers, but I will give the uh, the overarching version of that. Um, Kerbal Space Program 2 entered early access this past week, and um, it's very much in early access. Even, <laughs> even very strong computers are being brought to their knees by Kerbal Space Program 2. Hey... Um, I'm wondering what I've heard the criticisms of it so far being that it's mostly like a reskin because the whole point of the big point of Kerbal was the underlying physics engine. Yes. Um, and I guess people are complaining that there hasn't been a large improvement on that because it's already, it was already very, very good. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because um, the guy who coded it didn't really know a lot about physics so he was like having to ask around on forums and stuff and people there was a lot of involvement from the community hmm. in making Kerbal Space Program uh in a an indirect sort of way. Uh which is one of the reasons why it was so popular. Um and here we are decade plus later. Um mm-hmm. and yeah. the sequel's out. And it's kind of um, meh, but it is early access. I think that's that's an important thing to note about this is it's not in a finished state. Mm-hmm. So things can yeah. change, improve, what have There's you. There's a lot of chances to to take feedback too. Yeah. Um, so maybe you know this is a good this is a good game for early access because everyone who knows. How these things work? Oh, they're going to get a lot of good feedback, I'm sure, because yeah. the people who are jumping on this in early access are uh, the hardcores, as it were. The one thing I will say that's kind of shitty is that um, I know Steam lets this happen, that it's early access and all that, but like charging full pl- price for a game in early access feels feels scummy to me yeah but i guess it's it's kind of like pre-ordering only you actually get to play the game mm-hmm. uh currently yeah. it's it has mixed reviews on steam um with uh, a recent bias being slightly negative um okay so uh, the most of the complaints are along what I'm saying, charging full price for an early access demo that is uh, very much in need of more time in the oven. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it will, it It'll will get there. Keep eventually. going. Um, yeah, I actually have one. Um, it's anyone who knows the kind of updates I bring knows might may have an idea of this if i mention the words iterative improvements i'll give you three guesses of what game i'm talking about well even if you said i have an update i'll give you three guesses of what game i'm talking about i could nail it because it's either no man's sky bomber cyberpunk or pizza tower that's right you got it in one it was no man's sky they released another update today or a couple days ago uh, it's the fractal oh. patch. They're in version 4.1 right now. <laughs> um, wow. 
So this way to go, coders. Fucking never. They just they they'll never gonna stop. They keep, you um, know what they've they've made. I, I meant every time you bring this up, I, I mentioned this, but they've really made good on on the game, and I, I give all the credit in the world to Hello Games for their continued support of this game to make it everything they promised it would be, and at this point, a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, this particular one um, includes a new like expedition mission pack kind of deal, um, uh, improved you know uh, cataloging uh, with like now they're like wonders or I guess like kind of like legendary creatures, um, better lighting, improved H uh, you know uh, high dynamic range. Um, there's a new land speeder. Uh, kind of ship that'll like hover, you know, it'll fly in in atmosphere. Um, it's VR compatible now. New missions for the Switch, um, game options improvements, some more, you know, cosmetics, Twitch stuff, <laughs> um, and just a variety of um, improvements and uh, just get, just getting better. I think a lot of this was focused on the VR, so now this is like a lot more VR compatible. I gotta say, No Man's Sky in VR could be pretty sweet, especially when you're in your ship. That's like, you know, that and like Elite Dangerous in VR could be so fucking comfy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I guess the big question is, have you had a chance to play around with any of the new update? I gotta start, I gotta start new, because I think my save file, my current save file is like so far behind that I I feel like it's almost not compatible at this point with the new (laughs) content. So I may just start a new character um, or start a, cause I think there's like a, you know, there's different game modes too. Cause there's like the single player, which when I tried to connect with you, it was like a lag fest and we, it broke down cause it couldn't handle us, but there was like a dedicated yeah. multiplayer mode, which was much better. So I may have to, yeah, I'm probably gonna have to start fresh and um, see just everything. Cause like I've missed out on like the living ship stuff and the mech updates and like, all the different vehicle updates, the new base updates, it's it, it's almost like a new game every one or two updates. It's crazy. Yeah, it so. is crazy. Kind of, that, I think No Man's Sky and uh, weird comparison, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 are like, they deserve Lifetime Achievement Awards for how long after release the, they've been supported. Like Xenoverse Two came out in 2016, and still regularly gets new content. Yeah. There are world class MMOs that I feel like don't get as much love and uh, care paid attention to them as these games do. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. All right, well, time for me to talk about just, or unless Jake oh. has something. Oh, I was just to say, um, some DLC was announced. Um, for a couple cool games out there that exist, uh, both about, well, I don't think Scarlet and Violet's a year old, but uh, Elden Ring sure is. Elden Ring oh, yeah. uh, announced that they are in development on their Shadows of Erdtree DLC, which uh very hype because it's the biggest game that they are, they, they've released. Um, so From Software is in development on that. There's nothing else known. We just have a piece of art. And announcement that they're in development of that, as well as in development of their new game or whatever about robots in the future. Or they did shit. reveal so are they finally or, doing the. 
okay. sci-fi, the sci-fi from soft game. Yeah, Iron. I think it's Iron Hearts or some of that. Not to be confused with Atomic Iron, Heart. Or Iron Which, Skies. Uh, or Iron not Skies. to be confused with the movie Iron Sky. Iron Sky was a fantastic movie. We should watch that sometime. I we have uh, to watch it, but uh, I may also have to see what how bad Iron Sky Two is. I, I you know what? I haven't heard a lot about it. Um, although you did bring up Pokemon, they did announce two new Pokemon coming with the DLC, new Paradox forms, a future Paradox Verizion and a ancient Paradox uh, Suicune called Walking Wake, which is a fucking monster competitively. Oh, two things. Um, it was Armored Core. I'm fucking dumb. Oh, I remember Armored uh-huh. Core. Yeah, I re- because I played uh, forms yeah. from soft games back when they no one liked them. <laughs> yeah. Armored Core Five or some of that, yeah. Anyway. Or I guess it's Armored Core Six. I don't fucking care. Anyways, Armored Core. Armored Core's Iron, coming Iron, back. Cool. Um, two. They they made it completely different from the leak that was in the game. It's like, uh, in the game, I guess they put in a book the pictures of a primal, um primal or uh paradox form suicune and a paradox form virilian or verizon verizon <laughs> paradox a paradox future form of verizon and uh verizon's pr- pretty close a little close but suicune they were just like nope <laughs> different uh i'm not saying it's bad it, it's not a it's not a bad design but um yeah yeah, yeah, he's go. So he's, he's really he's strong. Co- so they they all have water dragons. Very good typing, and between those two stabs, you have pretty good neutral coverage across all the types. Um, and at signature move, um, something steam, steaming haze or something like that. Um, it's mm-hmm. eighty base power, hundred percent accurate water move, but instead of every other water move, when it gets in harsh sunlight it's um uh its powers have it actually gets stronger it gets 50 percent boost in power to become 120 base power and uh protosynthesis triggers pretty much a life orb boost um in the sun on your highest stat so and so we heard that you know sun teams were just too powerful compared to rain teams so we need to build in some anti-sun tech well, rain historically has been the best weather. Well, actually, right. sand historically has been the best weather. Uh, rain okay. number two. But yeah, sun sun now is really strong, and this mod is really strong on some teams. I watched a Lord MV video uh, at my lunch of him using a uh, substitute protect leftover set on it, and it can just destroy everything with its two stabs and have ridiculous longevity. Um, it also gets access to Dragon Dance, so you can uh, go physical on it and just completely fuck over someone when they switch in your uh, their Chansey to, oh to wall your walking wick and then they eat a fucking plus two Dragon Claw or Scale Shot. Um, That's... That's grody. Anyway, it's time for me to talk about Sonic Frontiers. I've got 
a, a lot of opinions on this game. Um, some a lot of what I say, it might sound like the the critiques outweigh the commendations, but I want to preface by saying that I like Sonic Frontiers. I think it is a very bold direction that they've taken the franchise in, and I think it is uh, similar to Sonic Unleashed in many ways, where um, I overall I would say the game's like a 7 out of 10, a very good 7 out of 10, um, but it laid a foundation for future games to build upon, and you know hopefully we get the next two games are of comparable quality to Sonic Colors and Sonic Generations for the boost formula uh, for this open zone concept. The game isn't perfect. There's um, some technical issues. There's really bad pop-in. Pop-in's probably the biggest technical issue uh, you'll mm -hmm. encounter, and it's on every version of the game. Um, also, by default, it's locked to 60 frames per second, which is not a bad frame rate, but when you're running on PC... Uh, with a monitor above 60 hertz, you kind of want to use that. And you can unlock it, but it does cause a little bit of a, a glitch in, in one of the boss fights. But setting that all aside, uh, for the most part, the game runs very well. And it runs well on a variety of hardware. Even on the Steam Deck, it runs at native resolution, no problem. Um, it's pretty scalable. And the visuals, the atmosphere of the game at times, is pretty incredible. I found myself stopping a few times to admire the views and vistas. Um, and I was like, damn, this game looks pretty fucking good. Uh, the story is actually among the best it's been in a long time, particularly in 3D Sonic games. Um, I think they got some people who were like really big fans involved with the writing of it, and the writing... And the characterization of Sonic and Company is miles better than it's been in a long time. And there are some some genuine like character progression moments through through the dialogue. Um, particularly with Eggman. They really fleshed out Eggman quite a bit um in his dialogues with with uh Sage, who's the robot girl. Or the digital girl. But anyway, the Chaos Emeralds are drawn to this island. Um, Sonic and company go to investigate what's going on here. Uh, they think Eggman might be involved. And then uh, everyone but Sonic uh, gets sucked into cyberspace. And Sonic... Just like Superman 64, baby. Sort of. Um, and Sonic has to go around and uh, save them. And it leads to the gameplay loop which is pretty basic. Um, you are on an island. There's, you can go wherever. The open zone is like you have, five, there's five islands in the games. They're each zones, even though islands one, four, and five were actually all originally part of the same zone. So they feel very similar in terms of aesthetics, which kind of hurts the variety, but that's neither here nor there. On this island, you have enemies, and there are big enemies called Guardians, and they're little mini-bosses. And if you beat the Guardians uh, with a combat system that is not super deep, but 
deeper than anything that's been in a Sonic game since like not just unleashed. Yeah, it's not just boost into enemies to win. <laughs> yeah. Um in fact, boosting is not as broken as it's been in the past. Um and that okay. kind of go we'll, we'll touch on that in the control section mm-hmm. when I talk about control because there are some some minor changes to it, but anyway, the gameplay loop, you have the Guardian mini bosses, they drop portal gears. Portal gears are used to open portals into cyberspace. And the cyberspace stages are stages that are reskinned sections of levels that already existed. So, like, they'll pull a 2D section from a Sonic Generations level, and there's a cyberspace stage. They're all pretty short. Most of them can be finished in, like, two minutes or less. Um, some of them are pretty good. Others are, are not as good. But there's objectives of clearing with a certain amount of rings, getting all the red red star rings, um, getting an S rank time, and um, one other mission. And right. each mission you complete awards you a vault key. These vault keys are used to obtain the Chaos Emeralds because in order to fight the big bosses at the end of each island, well, at the end of four of the five islands, um, sure. The Titans, you need to have the Chaos Emeralds because you need to be supersonic. And you get six Chaos Emeralds. Usually, it's four through obtaining Vault Keys. And two are given to you by completing side quests. And the seventh Chaos Emerald is usually on the Titan itself. Um, When I was originally kind of formulating this review, I described... Sonic Frontiers as the bizarre love child between Sonic Adventure 2 and Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> I can I can see that. Um it does borrow quite a bit from both games in terms of uh presentation and control and whatnot. Um I will say the the Titan fights, the boss battles are the highlights of the game for me. Like this game made Supersonic cool again. Um, you're fighting these giant monsters. They've gone as the butt rock of Sonic yesteryear. In is the new metal of Sonic's future. <laughs> Big freak on a leash energy in some of these soundtracks, but it fits. It's pretty awesome. It's like you're playing an AMV. That's <laughs> how I would describe it. And Beautiful. there is real scale and scope to it and like the the minute i heard that track kick in when i when i was fighting the second boss it was late at night i was kind of tired my heart wasn't really in it but as soon as that music kicked in i was leaning forward i was engaged in this boss battle um those are some of the stronger aspects of the game uh the control is a little bit different than previous boost formula games if you're used to that uh, the biggest change is that your momentum doesn't carry forward the way that it has in previous games, particularly with boosting. If you boost That's... in a direction, all of the momentum you acquired is canceled out and replaced with your boost, and then when your boost is over, you just drop like a rock. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, having seen some of the advanced techniques that have been developed for Sonic Frontiers movement, um, I'd say overall the control is very good in this game. 
the platforming's more precise than it's been in a while. Um, and if you master the new kind of uh, quirks of the momentum system or lack thereof, which I would prefer to see return in a sequel, um, you can do some pretty neato things. And it, it felt Sick like tricks. that when you were, when I was playing it. I'm like, I'm sure that with enough time and effort, I will be able to accomplish some really cool shit. And towards the end, I got towards some pretty cool shit. The biggest complaint I have with the control is Sonic doesn't really feel that fast. And in the open zone, mm. it's not as big a deal, but in those cyberspace stages, because it controls the same in both. Um, in those cyberspace stages, his lack of speed really was noticeable, and it really made them less enjoyable to play. Um, but fortunately... Mm you can kind of skip a lot of the main gameplay loop uh, through fishing. So there are several portals on each island or on four of the... The second to last island is just a platforming challenge. You have to scale a bunch of towers that use the different platforming gimmicks uh, in the game to that point. Okay. Um, And it's pretty interesting, pretty well done concept. Um, but there's no boss fight or whatever. You just go straight to the last island from there. Uh, that's why I'm saying four of the five islands. Um, oh shit! What did I? What was I on about? <laughs> you were talking about platforming gimmicks. Um, his speed. Yeah. So the speed in cyberspace made it. Oh, I was talking about how you can skip the gameplay loop. Yeah. Um, by so fishing. Fishing. Uh, there are, fishing. There are portals really want you to that take you to fishing spots where Big the Cat will trade you fishing tokens, which you can collect throughout the island, uh, along with um, memory tokens, which are needed to progress side quests. Um, there's different memory tokens for each uh, trapped character, um, and you collect those, and they through those quests, side quests, uh, you get story progression and cutscenes, and the story's pretty interesting right up until the end where they dump all the exposition on you and it doesn't really oh. wrap up in a satisfying way. And I won't spoil it in case anyone's interested in the game, and we appear to have lost Peter. But <clears throat> I can keep going. Oh, no. Um, so you can collect memory tokens. You can collect Lost Coco, which are the uh, rock people denizens of these islands. This archipelago, I guess. Um, and uh, fruits of power and defense, which are used to raise your stats. The Lost Coco, you return to the Elder Coco, who can raise your speed and ring capacity. Raising your ring capacity is kind of pointless because rings effectively are your health bar. Um, at maximum rings, you you ha- get a super boost, which is faster than your normal boost when you're not at maxed out rings. So Can't it kind of makes sense rings? to not max increase your ring capacity because it makes it a little harder to do it. And I played through the game, and very rarely did I ever uh, die because I got hit with no rings. So it's really not a big deal. I recommend increasing your speed foremost. Once you get to the higher levels of speed, and I'm talking like high, like level 80 out of 99, you start to feel like you're going real fast when you're boosting, which is fun, but it took a long-ass time to get there. Uh, Skill points are very easy to mine. 
um, all the collectibles can actually be gotten by using the first skill you gain in the story called Psy Loop, where you draw a little going loop on the ground and rings or other collectibles will pop out and you can right. actually sit there if you want and mine all the vault keys <laughs> if you want to do it that way. Uh, just, or you um, can more efficiently go fishing by trading these uh, fish tokens that you can collect along the island. Um, and if it was only the collectible once, it wouldn't be as exploitable. But there's an event that occurs every few in-game days at night where a meteor shower will rain down and it will resurrect all the enemies you've defeated on the island so far and uh, run a slot machine for some reason that will shit out a lot of these fishing tokens. So you go to the fishing hole with your hundreds, and I do mean hundreds, like after one... uh, meteor shower event you could have as much as six or seven hundred of these fishing coins and then you fish and you get fish tokens for the fishes you catch and then on the later islands the amount of tokens you get is just absurd and you can buy all the vault keys and lost cocos and power fruits that you want effectively skipping the parts of the game that you find boring so even if you don't like an aspect of sonic frontiers like the cyberspace stages they're kind of weak but Sonic Frontiers is kind of, it's a weird game where it kind of gets to have its cake and eat it too. You get to engage with the parts of the game that you enjoy and skip over the parts of the game you don't enjoy with relative ease. And it's almost encouraged with how many of these goddamn fishing tokens you can get in the, the, the meteor shower event. Like... On the last island, I got a little bored. I'm, I, towards, I got a little restless towards the end of the game. So, like, the last two islands, I pretty much skipped entirely um, by fishing. And I had 700 tokens both times I went to the fishing hole. And Fine at that point, strategy. even if you catch the shrimpiest thing you catch is worth, like, eight tokens. And the most expensive thing in his shop is a vault key, which costs 15 tokens. Do the math on that one, kids. Uh, you can really exploit it. Uh, the music is a lot different than previous Sonic musics. Uh, you get some some sort of familiar sounding things, songs in cyberspace, um, but not like any classic tracks. And the open zone is mostly like kind of haunting orchestral themes. Um, that they fit very well in the atmosphere, but they're not the kind of things that I'll listen to like I do, you know, City Escape and other songs off the SA2 soundtrack. Um, although, like I mentioned earlier, the um, boss battle songs have been in heavy rotation for me for the past few weeks. Mm. Um as far as walking around the open zones, there's not a whole lot in there. Uh, it's mostly vistas, but I think the empty space kind of works because the intent is that you're going to be zooming around the island. And when you have high speed, it feels really satisfying. It feels like you're in the intro of Sonic CD. And I really want there to be a DLC option where I can play Sonic Boom as the background music. <laughs> <laughs> give it to me sega um the ending of the story isn't isn't super great it kind of falls flat and um the final boss battle 
uh, mechanically is it's an Ikaruga. totally different, right? It's totally different. It's an Ikaruga clone, which is introduced as a hacking mini game on like the second to last island. That sounds like that sounds like that was pulled right from Near Automata. It's a it's a serviceable Ikaruga clone, and Ikaruga is a good game, but it's just yep. like this is not how I wanted this that go down. That that might be the mark of good Sonic games now is that they'll have one level that's just a different game, <laughs> like in Sonic Mania where you just played Puyo Puyo you or you played I mean, Mean Bean Machine. Mean Bean Machine. Yeah, that was a great boss battle. And I'm ready for that the next time I play Sonic Mania because I've been grinding my uh, Mean Bean Machine. <laughs> also known as a coffee maker. Um, so yeah, that's Ooh. Sonic Frontiers. Um, it's one of the best 7 out of 10 games I've played in a while, and it has me excited for the future of Sonic for the first time in quite a while. Um, went on a little longer with that than I wanted to, but we'll jump right into our feature An this airplane. week. Which is yeah, airplane, um, and it's fine if the, you know this will be a pretty cursory overview. I don't, um, if feel like you should, y'all should know airplane, okay? Yeah, it's this. It's been scientifically studied to be the most laugh a minute comedy ever created. Um, it's great. We earlier this year reviewed the other 1980s Zucker Brothers film, uh, The Naked Gun. And if you watch mm-hmm. that on our recommendation and liked it at all, uh, you'll like Airplane because it has all the best parts of the Naked Gun. You got Leslie Nielsen. You've got a lot of the sight gags. I feel like there was also a lot more of the uh, a lot more of like just uh, situational humor because you couldn't do as many sight gags because of the setting. You were right. You were yeah. a little more restrained in that way, but they made I, up for it. I think it let. I think I let the writing really shine through and the, the writing and the, the actors kind of just either riffing or pushing that delivery of the lines uh, super well because you couldn't have a ton of situational humor um, since you're just you're all in a plane together for the majority of the movie. Um, but but they, they end up pulling out some, some interesting things here and there with, uh, you know, the two kids... Um, reenacting like a an old oldie time marriage or some shit, mm-hmm. and then the obviously the two black guys is uh, speaking jive is a classic. Whether or not it's yeah. it's a little dated or, or um, maybe not PC mm-hmm. uh, for nowadays, but I think it is it is it is pretty okay. Yeah. Um, which they actually I think they had um, a couple of black writers do that. Um, I don't know if they're credited in this, but as the story goes, they uh, they wrote that. I think after seeing what they were supposed to write, they said, let <laughs> us write it. Uh, so I think it was originally written by some white guys uh, trying to write Jive, It may have been the said, actors uh, that they had. Now that you're saying yeah, it, yeah, I it think that, that yeah, yeah. I do remember that story. Um, yeah, that, that's how they get away with, I think, a little bit of their... Um, you know, kind of racial moments that that maybe don't age as well. Yeah, as there others. are a few uh, jokes in here that feel a little off color for today's lens, but nothing like yeah. particularly egregious. Nothing like I would consider to be 
bad. Yeah, the other thing that people always pointed towards was like the uh, the pilot being like kind of like a child predator, and it's yeah. like yeah, that's like bad. But the movie's also not saying it's a and good and he never thing. like actually does anything to the kid. <laughs> yeah, he never does anything. He just is. You're kind of insinuating and the implications. That the, hilarious. The pilot's and the really questions creepy. he has. Are- Hilarious. Like, like the way that he just think, he just so I, frankly goes about it. Yeah. You ever yeah, seen yeah. a grown man naked? I, I think Do you like movies yeah. about gladiators? I think, the, the, <laughs> I think the joke is that he like he just overtly says it like to a kid who like it just it's totally out there. It's the last thing you would expect to hear from a pilot who's like, Hey, look at the cockpit from a from And like know, everything a, from pilot about the movie is finely crafted towards humor like even the the names of the flight crew being roger and ober eh. oh yeah yeah um because they yeah they set those up um the so just i just instead of like kind of going over every joke i i just say let's all read what's everyone's favorite just instead of a what's everyone's favorite joke Ooh, that's tough What's the joke? Uh, what's the joke that that just sticks out in your mind after after all the time? So yeah, this many one's jokes. a small one, but for me, um, it's I think it's got to be where um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar he's like passing out. Yes, and they they pull and him they out, pull him out, and he's just shirts. in his bath. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. I, it's, I think my favorite is also with Kareem when the uh, kid is talking to him. He's like, I think you're the best. But my dad says that you used to slack off on defense like, and don't always run down the court. And he's like, hey, man, I've been hearing that shit since I was back at US- UCLA. Yeah. I think that one might be my favorite. <laughs> that one's good. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the, that, that's one of the jokes that sticks out in my mind. I could, again, we could rattle them all off. Jake, Everything any- in the air traffic control I- office is yep. amazing. I love every second of there. Fuck, I don't, I don't know if I can pick my 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 favorite one, but I think I gotta go to like maybe one of the classics of just like the, um, like the "Don't Call Me Shirley," mm-hmm. just the delivery between yeah, that between the and the running gag of how, like, how... <clears throat> what is that, and then explaining what it like, you know, like mm-hmm. the hospital. What's that? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important yeah. right now. This it's just a clever writing. It's it's such clever writing mm-hmm. where you can pull that out of a sentence and be like, could this be taken a different way? If so, write a joke about it because it will land. It's ten out of ten. It times. is like a like a like a like a mortar shell. It landed in the pop culture and drilled in so far that like I feel like today, if you when you play that joke, someone will go, ah, it's the old Reddit switcheroo. <laughs> um, and then the link to the the immense map of the old Reddit switcheroo, which is, which is uh, it's a rabbit hole of its own. I'll give Not some honorable mentions to um, the two PA announcers at the airport with the different mm-hmm. zones loading and unloading. <laughs> yes, because it starts out as standard fare, and then they start arguing like a married couple. And also the scene where um, the the captain shows up at the airport and he's accosted by all the uh, 
you know, Church uh, of Religious Consciousness and Scientologists and stuff, and he just fucking John Wicks them all. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So I, I, I guess what you know to kind of put a, a different twist on this or to put something novel on it. Um, I mean, we could talk about how this stacks up against the other movies. You know, the the similarities and differences for sure. Um, I, I. I want to think. I kind of want to like dig into maybe why, other than the the writing of the jokes itself, um, what you know, what kind of brings this to the next level here. I you know, um, and I think part of it. I was thinking about this while I was watching because I know I feel like I know all the jokes by heart except for there's always one or two that you that you catch that's new, um, yeah. and I don't even know if this was a joke. It might have just been uh, a quirk of the set um, when they go to meet. When you go to Rex Kramer's house, obviously there's the joke with the mirror where he steps through, but it's a weird side gag where he's when he comes down from the banister, I don't think there's a door or anything. It's just a stair that goes up into the corner of the room <laughs> that goes up like three feet, and he's just standing there, and he walks down. Um, but a lot of, I think, what helps this is that it's framed, the sets, and the the camera... And the way it's shot are almost like stage play. Like, I feel like, I don't know if this is true, but I, I feel strongly that this, this could have been adapted from, like, a two-man show or, like, a you know, a, a three-man show. Because all the sets are either, like, a one room or a cockpit or the cabin of the plane. Lots of little sets that all the... All the um, the jokes and such happen at like a small scale with small practical effects. It almost could be like props. I feel like for me, one of the things that makes the humor work so well is the characters are all very earnest, Mm -hmm. but they're in a kind of crazy situation. Yeah. It's, it's almost like there, so there isn't every. It's like everyone's a straight man. Yeah, but like the everyone zan- plays it like, really straight. It's like straight. a gestalt. It's like a gestalt zany uh, foil to everyone's straight man. You know. Yeah, and but like the events that happen around them are all so ludicrous. I think it makes the absurd things that happen and and like the gags that are kind of more absurdist hit even harder. Because it's very grounded in its presentation for the most part. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, I would also say that that kind of humor itself, um, combined with the delivery of the dialogue, comes right from like Abbott and Costello, right? Because the just even stuff like, um, you know, very directly, the what's your vector, Victor um, bit. That was that's like almost that's a that's a cousin that's like a first cousin to who's on first. So you are kind of right with your stage theory. So the Zuckers and Jim Abrams wrote this movie while they were performing with the Kentucky Fried Theater Group. Okay. So they were doing right. a lot of theater at the time. And I guess Kentucky Fried movie was just the just the film. Uh, version of that show i'm guessing 
I would suppose so. I don't know that for for certain. But uh, yeah, this it's a great movie. Like we can we can sing its praises till the cows come home, and um, I'd be happy to do that. But I think it it's better to just give you all the instruction to go out there and watch it. Because if you've yeah. never seen it before, or if you haven't seen it in a while, um, it is a thousand percent worth your time. It's not very long. It's only 87 yeah. minutes, but you will laugh more in those 87 minutes than any other time, similar time window you could possibly like, imagine. To, I mean, to set the stage, I think before any words, any before the credits come up, before the title comes up, the first thing that happens is a joke within yes. the first five seconds of the movie starting. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Let me just, right just yeah. kind of <clears throat> read off some of the accolades of this film here. Um, it was ranked sixth on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies. In a 2007 by Channel 4 in the United Kingdom, it was judged the second greatest comedy of all time behind Monty, Monty Python's Life of Brian. In 2008, it was selected by Empire Magazine as one of the 500 greatest movies of all time. In 2012, it was voted number one on the funniest comedies ever poll. Um, from what publication, I'm not sure. I would presume Empire. Uh, in 2010, it was selected for present preservation at the Library of Con Congress's National Film Registry as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Um it is constantly mentioned as uh, one of the funniest movies of all time. We've uh, made um, mention of its the scientific study <laughs> done on it. Yep. Um, it is number seventy nine currently on AFI's list of the hundred. Or don't call me Shirley. I'm serious and don't call me Shirley is seventy uh, ninth on AFI's list of the hundred best movie quotes. Uh, in 2000, the American Film Institute listed Airplane as number 10 on its list of 100 funniest family films. Or funniest American films, my bad. Not, it's not really a family film. <laughs> it's yeah. not rated R. It's rated PG, yet it has boobies in it. It's a booby movie. <laughs> booby movie. Um, but it's fantastic. The sequel is also, it's got some good jokes in there. It's not as good. But um, much like mm. the Naked Gun sequels, where they weren't as good, uh, there's still quite memorable bits from them that make them worth watching. So uh, your homework, listeners, is to go out and watch Airplane, if you haven't, or you haven't in a while, and enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This The goofs page on IMDb is uh, pretty long, so... I could go through all the nitpicks and tell you why it's the worst movie ever. <laughs> I don't think there are um, really continuity <laughs> errors in a movie like this. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's the funny thing is that even if there are a continuity error, you can just run, uh, you know, hmm. play it as comedy. Yeah. You know, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna scoff at a, a stunt double if they see the actual actor. Well, like in the one background. of the favorite it's one like of our favorite jokes funny. in the movie is strictly speaking continuity error. Because you've cut right back to a scene and the characters in a different wardrobe. But that's part of the joke. That is the joke. 
Yeah. Is that they the obvious continuity error is not addressed. Um I so yes, great movie, lots of accolades. I'm about to make a hot take right now. Roll on my I think, in case I have to I down. think they could go denser with it. And I say this because I feel like they improved in terms of their technique. I think it was refined and tightened um, in their subsequent film. So I was looking up. This was this came out before Top Secret. This came out before uh, Naked Gun. Um, this, you know, I think the only one that came before this was um, Kentucky Fried Movie, um, and th- I think this one embed has embedded itself in the pop culture because it was such a breakthrough. And then I feel the Zuckers they took it and they, uh, you know, they really doubled down on it because there are some scenes after watching the the later movies. There are scenes where they're doing exposition or they're doing character dialogue. Where they're just, you know, they're establishing the characters, they're moving the plot along. And in those scenes, that's all they're doing. That's not a bad thing. That's fine. That's a makes a good backbone so that you can put the jokes and on top and still feel like you're not just watching a bunch of you're not watching like a comedy stand up routine, right? Yeah. I feel in like the in it, the subsequent movies though, they they've start they started to uh to do the front and back technique where if there's not a joke going on in the foreground, if it's just exposition, they'll put a joke in the background so that there's something if you know, you're watching the plot but you're all there's also something you're laughing at going on at the same time. Yeah, I I don't know that necessarily I think you you could go denser. Uh you kind of walk a fine line uh between like being going denser and becoming like Harvey Birdman. <laughs> Where, yes, every single second is just uh, insanity. Yeah, although I will say that, like, they make those changes, and The Naked Gun and Top Secret are great movies. But would you call them better than Airplane? I don't think I would. I I actually might I or at least they're they're on the on the same level like airplane has some really iconic stuff but um I think the particularly for me I think the jokes in the naked gun just hit fresher for me when I watch it hmm. all right well that's my personal opinion on it that's certainly um, a take <laughs> that's a, that's a hot take I, I I don't agree with that I think you're dead wrong dead dead to rights um I'm I'm coming I, after you. I would also. All right, I'll meet you at three o'clock by by the uh, by the flagpole. I'm gonna I'm gonna send Otto the automatic pilot after I, you. I um, also disagree, but like mature and well balanced adults, <laughs> that's where it's gonna end. We're not gonna dox them <laughs> or threaten we'll go, violence. <laughs> we'll throw. I swear to God, I'll pull up Amazon. We'll throw right industrial now. grade dirt at, at each other's faces tomorrow. On on the factory floor, um, I I'll I'll bring the buckets. Um, I when I look at this movie and all these movies compared to other um, comedy films of the era, like there's there's levels, right? There's like this and like National Lampoon. 
but there's a lot of comedy movies in the 70s and 80s where there were like two jokes. Yeah. And it's just like a very straightforward, like kind of blandish movie with a lighthearted tone. And then there's like one funny thing that happens. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like television sitcoms are kind of like that a lot. Um, Like in pre and post Seinfeld, a pre and post Seinfeld world. Because sitcoms generally had like the A plot and then a bit of a B plot. But when you got to Seinfeld, there was an A plot, a B plot, a C plot, and sometimes even a D plot. And they all coalesce by the end of the episode. And right. a lot of memorable uh, situations that, that come from that. And then after Seinfeld happened, you had a lot more shows attempt to do that. You know, Scrubs, How I Met Your Mother. A lot of shows borrow mm-hmm. very heavily from Seinfeld. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, right. Borrow very heavily from that formula. And you still think- had more traditional ones like, you know, Everybody Loves Raymond, where... A pl- the A plot was Deborah's mad at Raymond, and <laughs> Robert might be doing something in the in the B plot, and that's there's your episode, where the where the funniest joke of any episode was where Robert touches food to his chin before he eats it. Yeah, <laughs> and people and the fucking audience explodes. Um, yeah, in terms of movies, like a contemporary kind of comparison would be, you know, something like Anchorman versus like Stuber. Yeah. <laughs> right, where Stuber is like, I guess, you know, on the technicality, it's a comedy, but the the number of, and quality of the jokes. The, the IMDb page did say comedy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it had one joke. Like, the premise was really predicated on one joke, and they, uh, I would say they beat it into the ground, but... I don't think they really made enough jokes to really have beaten into the crap. Right. The plot, it's one of those those kind of comedies. The plot just sort of happens, and they, they kind of make quips over it. Um, that's one of the things that a movie like, um, like the Adam Sandler vehicles um, are criticized for, where they're not actually making jokes. They're just saying things, saying outrageous things. Yeah, yeah. A joke, which is a, which is kind of failing in the other direction. Instead of having a very few quantity of completed jokes, there's a lot of half baked um, jokes. Yeah, our our generation with the low random really uh really hurt comedy. I think. Ironically, though, I think a lot of this made it, it fits right into our our comedic sensibility. Like a lot of these scenes. If you cut them off early, they would they would be like it's the same pacing as a viral video. Yeah, I guess in some ways. Um, yeah, that's that's airplane, baby. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back next week with with something. Not sure yet. I think it's. I think. How about John Wick Four? Oh, that's right. That's coming out. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that and then then maybe oh, yeah. Creed Three the following week. Yeah, we're can get uh, back yeah. in the flow. Yeah, where Kang fights his yeah. brother. Yeah, it's it's an alternate Kang. Can't wait. <laughs> I want it's that Kang variants. better be in the MCU. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
I want Boxer Kang. MCU. Oh my god. I love it. All right. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.